hands for the generational unity that God has blessed this church with. Someone make a joyful noise unto the Lord because he's been good to us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Today I want to thank God for every building. Every instrument, every room, every leader that has helped this church progress the kingdom over the last two decades. It takes a myriad of people to prepare for just one service. From cleaning crews, the door holders, ushers, AVL teams, musicians, singers, and most of all, the people. But I want to stop here today and consider all the blessings that this church has. And if you don't know, we are so blessed beyond measure. Bible says in Galatians that whatever a man sows, that also shall he reap. However, as I look around this sanctuary today, there are many things that I am reaping that I did not sow. And there are many things that I am benefiting from, some blessings that I am benefiting from that I did not sacrifice for. And at one point I felt the guilt of this. I was quickened in my spirit because that was the intention of our dear brother Heiss and so many more. It was their sacrifice and their commitment that laid the foundation of this house. So I stand here today as a representative of every young person in this building when I say that we will not forget the sacrifices each of you have made in order for us to experience this life of freedom and blessing. Our 30th president, Calvin Coolidge, once said, The nation which forgets its defenders will be itself forgotten. In the past, we have had glorious history, but we cannot rest upon that. We must continue to grow, build and grow and sacrifice for the future so that those who come after us may see the blessings we have enjoyed and the children after him. Coolidge emphasizes the importance of honoring the sacrifices of those who came before us by continuing to build and grow the nation for future generations. He recognizes that the blessings of the present were not earned easily and cannot be taken for granted. And that is our responsibility to continue to work and sacrifice for the future. Coolidge believed that the future success of the nation was dependent upon the actions of the present. And that it was, us to us, it was up to us to continue to build and grow the nation in order to ensure the future generations would have the same opportunities and blessings that we enjoy today. So before I start this sermon today, I want to stop and honor every man and every woman of God who spent their lives sacrificing so we could see revival today. Today, as a body of believers, we will commit to grow, to build, and to sacrifice more so that the generations to come will see greater miracles, greater wonders, greater signs, and most of all, greater callings and greater revival. Amen. So I know they're not here today, but if somebody will look up to the heavens where our dear elders are, and would you clap your hands and honor them and the Lord for the blessings that he has bestowed upon this body of believers. Thank you, thank you.
I'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 11. Only one verse in our hearing today. Starts off, it says, by faith. Because that's what it takes to start off anything. This morning I woke up, I lost an hour of sleep. I don't know why, but I woke up by faith because somebody had set the clock back so Brother Coffee could have an extra hour of daylight to clear his field. <laughs> by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. The next few moments with the help of the people, I want to preach on this subject. Saved by the sacrifice. Saved by the sacrifice. Now would you put your Bibles down behind you and would you lift your hands up to God one more time and call on him. Lord, we need you here in this place today, God. I thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that you've bestowed on us, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your presence, Lord. Lord, we're calling on you to come down and be with us just one more time, Lord. Let us feel your presence here today. Let your spirit go forth. Let us see the blessings, Lord, from the sacrifice of the people. And we thank you, God, for what you're going to do and what you've already done. And we thank you here in this place today. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord before you're seated. And lift up a joyful noise before the Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you for standing. You may be seated. Genesis chapter 6 gives us the true insight to the biblical history of Noah and the flood. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth and it grieved him in his heart. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. And for it repenteth me that I have made them. The biblical account of the flood tells us that God sent the flood as judgment for the wickedness in the human- of the humanity at the time. God decided to send a flood to destroy every living creature on the earth. Frustrated with the wickedness and the corruptness of the world he had created, God sets forth this plan to wipe out with his great flood. A fresh plate, a a blank canvas, he says, I will cause it to rain for 40 days and for 40 nights. And every living substance that I have made will be wiped from the face of the earth. God's judgment is coming and it is inevitable. God did not overlook the sin of the people. He was finished with the corruptness of the world and his patience had run dry. God repented to himself that he had ever created man. People turning their backs on him. The world cursing him with their actions. Violence and wickedness rule the land. He will send judgment on the earth. And he already has the plan. But God's judgment doesn't come without a warning. And it's in that same passage that the Lord's anger is displayed. That he says in verse number 8. 
But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In the middle of all the chaos, there stands Noah. Noah living righteous and just and blameless. Nothing incredibly unique. No outstanding accolades or titles. But he walked faithfully with God. And it's that righteous and just God that doesn't overlook Noah. He's watching and studying and judging. And in the midst of his anger, he gives grace. Because that's what he does. He gives grace. When the world is dark and dangerous and evil and we deserve the worst, he gives grace because he's watching. He knows where you are and he knows what you're doing because before we are ever faithful to him, he first is faithful to us. God, being the organized and faithful God he is, gives Noah the exact measurements, design, and numbers to fulfill this plan of escape from the judgment. And it's in that moment that Noah goes to work. No worries, no hesitations, no questions, just obedience. God had given Noah direct instructions and particular requests. And I'll read it from chapter 6, starting with verse 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, and for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth and make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. This is the fashion that shall make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, the height of it 30 cubits. And a window thou shalt make in the ark, the cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shall set side thereof with lower and second and third stories shalt thou make it. God instructs Noah to build with material that was strong. Material that was durable and able to withstand the force of the flood. Because the foundation upon which this vessel is built needs to last. Build it with gopher wood. It's the first request God gave Noah. Because buildings and structures are great. But even Luke Luke will tell us that only those who dig deep and build their house upon the rock will withstand the storm. The foundation upon this, the foundation of this ark was pivotal to its perseverance through the storm. God continues his instructions by saying, You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Pitch refers to a black substance almost. It was a substance used to seal and waterproof wooden structure of the ark. Because if you're going to build an ark, it must have a covering of some sort. Something to protect you from the forces outside. And finally, God gives Noah the dimensions of the ark. And I'm sure Noah gulped at the hearing of this instruction. However, he understood that if he was going to build an ark, it must be able to save lives outside of just himself. Noah built something that was for all who were willing He was selfless, and that's why God protected him. And I'm worried that if God were to ask many believers today to build an ark, that they would just build a canoe. Because many are only concerned about their own personal salvation with God. And so God is calling this body of believers 
to build something that is going to reach this city. It's going to reach this nation and this town. Because this book is not just for us, but it's for all willing souls. Anybody that can hear it, we got to share the word and the gospel. Because the Lord is telling us there's going to be a mighty harvest. And it's up to the people to share the word and to hear the Lord and to build an ark. He heard God, and even more, he was in touch with God's heart. Talk about endurance and commitment. Noah didn't ask, how much more, God? How much longer, Lord? He knew that it was going to take a life of sacrifice to build that ark. And God said before it all began that his spirit would not contend with man, and that man's years will be numbered. And what was that number? It was 120 years, and I don't find it strange that it took Noah 120 years to complete the plan of God. Because it takes a lifetime of sacrifice and building to build something that will bring you to the other side. Don't get weary when your whole life is committed to building and growing and sacrificing for the kingdom of God. Because it will all be worth it in the end. He's a God of order and perfection. He's not reckless or unconcerned. And when God spoke this plan of instruction, when God spoke these instructions to Noah, he listened. There was no reiteration of the plan. There were no reminders. God spoke and Noah obeyed. Noah heard the Lord and he did not question his request. Just build. He might not have understood it, but he knew, I've got to build. The rain is coming, and I've got to build. Noah's immediate obedience to God was not because he saw the clouds in the sky. In fact, water was not even near him. Noah, he built that ark on dry ground. So I question, what did it take for him to build such an ark? He was 500 years old. He knew the world he lived in, and I'm assuming he had a routine. And while, yes, he lived for God, there's something different when judgment is coming. Urgency fills your spirit, and preparation fills your days. He's loyal and obedient to the Lord, but when God spoke these things, he changed. He's on his toes like a worker, eager for promotion. Whatever you want, Lord, I'll build it. Whatever you need, Lord, I'll give it. Whatever you speak, Lord, I'll preach it. Noah was not only a builder. The Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness. Preach and build. Share the gospel and sacrifice for the kingdom. That was the divine order of God. Speak and sacrifice. It's a daily routine of any man who wants to do something for the kingdom of God. Speak the word and sacrifice unto the king. My mother, she's a self-degreed English professor. That's why she started a school based on her own degree. Praise the Lord. Okay. She taught me that if you ever have to write an essay or 
you need direction on what to say to someone, ask the important questions. That is the five W's. And I'm helping you out, kids, so get your notepads out. The five W's are the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why. These questions will help you depict and orchestrate a speech or an essay to answer all questions. If you don't have depth, answer these questions. They'll help you. But when it comes to the spiritual matters, they all lose their value and substance but one. The necessity for this one answer drowns out the need for any more answers. It is not just the answer to the question, but is the answer to all questions. Details and earthly understanding fall short at the answer to this question. Noah built that ark on dry ground and he left the daily routine and picked up this life of work and labor and preaching. And let's look at the text again. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Faith, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't mean you don't have questions or doubt or trouble because he did. But it means that the what and the when, the where and the why, they they don't matter because the only thing that matters is the who. When you understand the who, nothing else matters. So for Noah, he understood who God was and he had a revelation of his power. Noah had something that I strive to grow in every day. And that was an understanding of the God that he served. So when Noah, when God called down to Noah with this plan and he gave him that particular request and instructions, Noah gave it all, all his time and his effort and his energy. And when that day came and he felt low, like he was going to run out, he gathered his family and his wife and he said to Japheth and Ham and Shem, and he said, I know, I know we've given a lot, kids. I know we've given a lot, honey, but I can't stop giving until I see the other side. So the story doesn't end there. They kept on pushing and they kept on building and preaching and speaking the word and working. Whatever it takes, Lord, I'll do it. Whatever you need, Lord, I'll give it. Whatever you speak, Lord, I'll preach it. The divine order of God. Speak and sacrifice. Noah, in the midst of all his life problems, he just kept on giving to God. He just kept on sacrificing. Even when he was tired and didn't have much to give, God was with him taking his sacrifice. He was taking it all in and he kept providing and speaking. And I can imagine those family gatherings when they had to corral the kids and the wife and ask, decide on what they had to give up next. It was hard. It was long. It was tiresome. And it took all they had. But fast forward to many years later, when he stepped off that ark after the Lord had so mercifully and graciously rescued them from those devastating and ravishing waters. I'm sure he looked back to his family as he stepped off that ship. I'm sure that he looked back and said, thank God we came. Thank God we endured. 
to die in the sacrifice. Noah and his family were saved by their own sacrifice. But, but they weren't done. Because even after all that they gave, even after they saw that, that building go up, that structure go up, even when they saw it constructed and the Lord had rescued them and brought it to the other side, the Bible says that they walked off that ship, that great ark, after the Lord had saved them. And what they do? They offered another sacrifice unto God. Because you can never sacrifice enough for the king. In the morning they made a sacrifice. And in the evening they made a sacrifice. When they had something to give, they gave it. When they didn't have anything to give, they worked for it. And that was how it was made. That's what, that's what brought them to try ground after the greatest flood this world had ever seen. You think that you're giving and that you're working just for the benefit of the kingdom. You think that you're giving to the building campaign. You think that you're giving your tithes and your offerings. But what you don't know is that there's a God in heaven and he's watching and he's taking all your sacrifice and all your commitments and he's making a way of escape. Your sacrifice is going to bring you through every hard time in your life. It can heal every hurt wound. It can restore every broken relationship. It can reunite every lost loved one. There is a blessing in your sacrifice. Oh, I'm sorry, but I just got to stop and speak this into someone's life. You're struggling. You're hurt and you're broken. You don't know where to go. You don't know what the next step is. There's trouble in your life, tribulation, questions about your future. And while I don't have the answer for your particular need, I know that if you would just give unto the Lord with a faithful heart, he's taking in your sacrifice and he's saying, if you will just give something to me to work with, if you would just give me something, I'll bless you. I'll bring you through every low moment, every dry moment. And if you look around this room right now, you're sitting in a cloud of witnesses that said, Oh, I was struggling. My sons and daughters were lost. My marriage was in trouble. My finances were in trouble. But I gave unto the Lord. I gave something that I did not have. I trusted in the Lord, and he brought me through. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in this place today? That has been brought through by the sacrifice that you made to God. Has the Lord blessed anybody today? Is there any witnesses in the room that the Lord brought you out because you gave something to him? I got to say, don't give up, mama. Your sons are coming back. Your daughters are going to see the Lord again. Every lost loved one, they're coming back to the Lord. They're coming back. Hey, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. I don't know why, but I just feel to stop. <laughs> 
starting to pray for every lost soul because this sacrifice is going to bring every lost soul back to this house. When we sacrifice for the kingdom, we're building an ark for every willing heart and every willing soul. They're going to see the Lord again. Hallelujah. Thank you. So ready to walk in heaven. So ready to see those streets of gold and to walk with my king. However, before I ever get there, I must make a sacrifice here. Because blessings always follow the sacrifice. Abraham obeyed the Lord and prepared to offer his son as a sacrifice. But at the last moment, God provided a ram as a substitute. And as a result of Abraham's willingness to obey God, the Lord blessed him and promised to make his descendants as numerous as the stars. Hannah was barren and deeply distressed because she had no child. She went to the temple and prayed fervently to God. Hannah had no son, yet gave him to the Lord before he was ever in in her arms. She didn't have it to give, but she committed it unto God. If you will just give it to me, I'll give it. Is that not the prayer of so many today? He'll give it to you if you'll commit it unto him. And it was that commitment unto the Lord that led to her miraculous blessing of a son named Samuel. Oh, how we can't forget the greatest sacrifice of all. The perpetual sacrifice of our God dying on the cross for our sins and our iniquities. But that's not how the story ends. That's not how the story ends. Why? Because sacrifice is never just sacrifice. Resurrection and blessings always follow. They complement each other so well. There is divine order of the temple for a reason. And I'm so thankful for that Ark of Covenant that held the mighty presence of God. And I want to get into that presence every day. Every time I walk into this place, I want to get into that presence of God that, was, that rested in that Ark of the Covenant. I want to get there. However, before I can ever get there, I must get through that altar of sacrifice. If you want to reach the lost, you must sacrifice your pride. If you want your, son, your sons and daughters to take this word from your, for themselves, you must sacrifice. Anything good must first come by sacrifice. So in order to get there, we must first sacrifice here. God honors the sacrifice. And hear me, church, it was not Noah's craftsmanship or his handiwork that so elegantly built that ark in such a way that it could sustain the great flood God had sent. No, nothing, nothing can survive the judgment of God. Unless God be with them. It had to be something more than a construction project. It had to be more than a building or a structure. Oh, God. We tell the story of Noah's Ark. And I'm so glad that our kids can hear about the events of the Bible. But it was not Noah's Ark. It took his hands... And it took his commitment, and surely it took his sacrifice to build such a structure that 
But there had to be a God of that ark. A God to guide them. A God to protect them. Because without God, it was just a boat. Another tower of Babel built just mocking God. Noah and his family sacrificed their way to the other side of God's judgment. Because that was the only thing that they could do. No one was prepared, but Noah had made sure that he and his family were. So I say to this church today, get your kids together. Get your spouses and your friends, your coworkers together. And let them know that the rain is coming and we must get prepared. It's coming. There's going to be a day. And I'll read it. Matthew 24 and starting with verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not even the angels of heaven. But my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of Son of Man be. For as in the days they were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving of marriage until the day of Noah entered that ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Oh, when that day comes, it's going to be great. It's going to be so wonderful to see him come down. I can just picture the scene that Revelation depicts so so sweetly. The king is coming. And I'll give it all for him and him alone. Because one day in the middle of my sacrifice, in the middle of my giving, he's going to decide that that's the day of his return. And all those years of giving and growing and building, it's what's going to get me through to the other side. It'll get you through then. When the Lord comes, it's, it's going to get you through. But that's not all. It'll get you through now. Every struggle, every trial, he's going to pick you up and he's going to carry you to the other side. He will bring you through and deliver you. He will set you free. You will prosper. But you have to have something to ride the waves. And it starts with a sacrifice. Don't give up, husband and wife. Your sacrifice will bring you through. Don't give up, mama. Your kids are going to come back and ride the waves of your sacrifice to the other side. Don't give up, young person. Your life is just a couple of sacrifices away from building something that's going to get you out. You're going to be saved by your sacrifice. Hallelujah. Would you stand all across this house? On this day, I say, we're going to build a sanctuary that's going to last. Build it out of gopher wood. we got to build something that's going to last. We're building a house that, that can withstand the pressures of the waters outside. we got to put a little pitch on it. A little covering. we got to have the anointing of God to withstand the forces of the, of the world. we got to keep the waters out. It's going to be a house of miracles, praise, signs, wonders, restoration, and redemption. It's going to be a light set on a hill that this city, for this city that we cannot hide. The city of Terre Haute is going to hear the cry of the congregation of Noah's. Get in the house. The rain is coming. Oh, so I say, lift your hands and your voice. Because your sons and daughters are coming back to the Lord.
they're coming back because we're sacrificing unto the Lord to build a house, to build an ark that's going to carry us through to the other side of every trial and tribulation. And I know this is a giving service and you came here to give something unto the Lord. But if you have a need, if you have a struggle, if you have a trial or tribulation, you need something for the Lord. I want you to commit this sacrifice to that. Because the Lord is going to carry you through. This sacrifice is going to go so far beyond what you can think or even imagine. So mama, if you have a lost son or daughter, just lift your hands. So, oh, husband and wife, if you need some healing in your marriage, if you need some healing in your finances, if you need some restoration in your life, you got to grow closer to God, I'm asking you. Just lift your hands up to the heavens. Because with this sacrifice that we're making today, he's going to make a way for us to get to the other side of every trial and every tribulation. Every hurt heart is going to be healed by this sacrifice. It can heal every wound. Every offended heart is going to be healed by this sacrifice. Every hurt mind is going to be healed by the sacrifice of God. Oh, we're getting into the house. We're building something, Lord, that's going to last. Something, Lord, that can carry us through to the other side because you're coming back. Oh, you're coming back and the heavens are going to open. You're going to come down with the vesture dipped in blood. On your, on your thigh is going to be written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's coming back, people. And we've got to make it to the other side. He's going to get you through every hard time, every low valley. He's going to bring you through. He's going to get you through. He's going to make a way for you. Lift your hands up to the heavens. You know what you're giving. You know what you're giving to God, but he's saying, you give it unto me, I'll send the blessings. The blessings always follow the sacrifice. The blessings always follow the sacrifice. Oh, I'm so thankful for the waters. I'm so thankful for the waters and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking with other tongues. I'm so thankful for it. But before we ever get there, we must first die. We must first sacrifice. It's sacrifice always comes before the blessing. So if you need a blessing in your life, the sacrifice is going to send it. It's going to send that blessing your way. It's going to heal your home. It's going to restore your marriage. It's going to redeem your sons and daughters. It's going to, it's going to heal you, this, this sacrifice. You're going to be saved by the sacrifice. Hallelujah. Our Father is going to come up here. He's going to guide us further on the next steps of this service. But before he gets up here, there's a sacrifice that God has laid on our hearts today. Something that your neighbor cannot make for you. Hear me, kids. I know where you're at. I'm young with you. We've got to sacrifice for, our, for the kingdom. I know you don't have sons and daughters yet, but they're coming and we're sacrificing for the kingdom. Our elders, they built something. They sacrificed for this foundation, for this house. Oh, we're building something that's going to last. 
something to get us through to the other side. So with that sacrifice in mind, with that, with, it doesn't have to be a number. The Lord has placed a number on your heart, I'm glad. But the Lord is looking for some time and energy and effort, some devotion and commitment to the kingdom. And he's going to take this church far beyond we can ever imagine because blessings always follow the sacrifice. Amen. Would you clap your hands one more time unto the Lord?